Welcome, listeners. This is a broadcast for NWP Radio and Educator Innovator, productions of the National Writing Project. Today is October 5th, and we're talking with colleagues involved in the research and development of the Digital Civics Toolkit. You can find the Digital Civics Toolkit at digitalcivicstoolkit.org. The Digital Civics Toolkit is a collection of resources for educators to support youth to explore, recognize, and to take seriously the civic potentials of digital life. The toolkit explores a range of civil opportunities and dilemmas via five modules, and we'll get to hear more about these modules today. Uh, the toolkit draws on the research and work of the MacArthur Research Network on Youth and Participatory Politics, also known as YPP. The YPP network has formed out of the recognition that youth are critical to the future of democracy and that the digital age is introducing technological changes that are impacting how youth develop into informed, engaged, and effective actors. The YPP network, therefore, has been working to understand uh, youth engagement in participatory politics, the developmental pathways that can lead to engagement, and the ways in which youth can be politically active in the digital age. So I'm Christina Cantrell, your host, and I'm thrilled uh, to talk with our colleagues today about this really exciting and thought-provoking work and um, to learn more about the Digital Civics Toolkit as a resource that we can use in our own work together. Let's go around and introduce ourselves then. Erica, you want to start? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Erica Hodgen, and I'm the Associate Director of the Civic Engagement Research Group. Um, based out of the University of California at Riverside. Great. Uh, Carrie James, I'm a research associate and principal investigator at Project Zero, a research center at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Great, thank you. And I'm Sangeeta Shrestova, um, the director of research at the Civic Imagination Project, which is based at the Annenberg School for Communication and, Journal and Journalism at the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. Awesome, thank you. Um, so let's start. Um, I'm really excited to have this chance to talk to you guys about this. And um, let's start by having you introduce us to the Digital Civics Toolkit, introduce the listening audience, um, as well as to how it emerged out of the work and the research of YPP. Erica, do you wanna start again on this one? Sure. Um... And yeah, as Christina mentioned, I'll give a little context on the research network first. Um, and as you mentioned, the YPP research network um, had really been focused on trying to understand and promote more frequent and more equitable and also um, effective sort of political engagement for young people. And so in a sort of set of practices that we call participatory politics, um, and over the last seven years, different teams um, that were part of the YPP network across the country um, conducted various research studies. We had a mix of quantitative and qualitative, um, as well as various groups implemented um, targeted action projects, sort of working and learning alongside of educators and activists, um, youth activists. And so as we all know, we've clearly seen from our research, but also we all see as we kind of witness um, things happening in the world around us, that online tools and social media um, platforms have become a really central part of how civic and political life um, happens. And so we see this from 
examples from the Black um, Lives Matter movement. We've seen it from how um, youth in Parkland were working towards gun control and how they're tapping into the power of these digital tools to um, have their voices heard, to also push the conversation and to also create change. Um, and so despite a lot of the um, sort of perceptions that digital media actually distracts young people um, from civic and political matters and from actually making real change, we see um, very different things from our research. So we see that, you know, young people report about 48% report that social media has made them more aware of political issues. Um, and that about over 85% disagreed with the idea that social media lessened their awareness or their commitment to various issues that matter to them. Um, and we also found, so in a, the YPP survey that was um, surveying a nationally representative um, sample of young people across the country, we found that 90% of young people who engaged in these kinds of online civic and political activities reported that they also vote and that they also participate in what we might think of as these kinds of more traditional or institutional activities. So we find that this is not replacing young people's other kinds of activities and letter writing or volunteering for a political campaign. It's in, in, in fact sort of broadening the ways in which young people can be involved. And so um, this has really created a number of really important opportunities for young people and ways in which we think it's important for educators to get involved. At the same time that we have these sort of really um, impressive and inspiring examples of young people being involved and using um, social media and digital tools, we also find that that's not the case across the board. So it's really important, I think, when we talk about these types of things that we think about equity as well. And so we found from our 2015 YPP survey that actually only 10% of youth engage at least weekly in these types of sort of online political activities. So that means that 90% of young people are not engaged on a regular basis, or they're only occasionally engaged. And so, you know, we are really trying to find ways to think about how do we promote high quality and digital civic learning opportunities for young people so that all young people have access to these and that we're not um, replicating sort of equity gaps in terms of who gets access to these kinds of opportunities. So, so important um, and really, um, really important, I think, for us as educators working in schools with youth as well as um, librarians and people in the U Media Network also thinking about these kind of um, opportunities um, for the youth. So um, really excited to, to see how this toolkit supports all that. Um, Sangeeta, do you want to? Yeah, so I guess I'll just add a little bit of background in terms of how this um, digital civics toolkit came to be. Um, yeah. In the latter half of the YPP project. Um, four of the projects involved uh, uh, in, in the network um, embarked on what became known as the Educating for EPP, what acronym I'm struggling, so like Educating for Participatory Politics project, um, which it was set in three cities um, around the US and involved us going into schools and working directly with educators to develop um, and test materials with students around the insights that were generated through the YPP network. And it was really 
that con configuration of work and the outcomes of that that convinced us that there was a need for a digital civics toolkit, um, that we had a lot to share and that we wanted to find a way to curate and package and um, get the work out there to educators so they could use them and use it in their classrooms. Super great. And um, when I was talking to you all sort of thinking about this show, um, one of the things that we talked a lot about were both the opportunities that are available here, as well as some of the challenges for all of us as media users and makers in the world. And then when we bring this into classrooms and think about it in um, the context of our um, formal teaching and learning. So maybe, um, Kara, you can talk through, or maybe all of you actually can start with some examples of where you see some real opportunities and also where you see some of the challenges and some of the tensions that you've run into in the course of this work. Great, sure, so I'll start. Um, so I think like if we think from the perspective of educators, there, there are a lot, first there are a lot of positive opportunities or upsides to um, bringing in the topic of digital civics or the civic potentials of digital media into the classroom. Um, a couple of different upsides that come to mind for, for me and that have uh, come across in our work. One is, is really it's an opportunity to connect with students' lives outside of school. Um, and that, you know, reality that digital media use, connectivity, the context they're involved in, the communities they're involved in online are often really indispensable to the identities that they're forming and exploring. Um, it is where the necessary connection making is happening with peers. Um, and if we think about the wider landscape of current events, it's, it's a, if not the principal avenue for learning about um, and keeping up with what's going on in the world. So there's just a lot of positives um, there. And I think that you know, we all have to recognize, as Erica mentioned in her, her opening discussion of, of this work, that social media is, is an integral component of civic and political life, and that's not, um, that's not going anywhere. Um, so really thinking about providing young people with strategies and tools to navigate that landscape is super important. Um, but then there are also challenges, and I think for, um, for educators in particular, helping young people think about the great opportunities uh, to express their voices about civic issues, but also to navigate some of the real tensions and dilemmas about when and how to speak up on social media, to advocate around a particular issue, or just to express their point of view can be really tricky. There are a lot of positive opportunities, as I'll talk about later, um, but there are also significant risks and fears around that. And there's the reality of digital surveillance and the risks of having a politicized digital footprint that I think a, a lot of young people express concern about. And frankly, a lot of adults spend a lot of time talking with kids about their digital footprint and, and in some ways support fears and, and, and growing fears around that issue. 
Um, but another challenge that we've observed is that educators often like their own beliefs and concerns about the negative side of social media communication really come to the fore. They, they, they express concerns about the toxic nature of um, online discussions of political issues. They express concerns about slacktivism. Um, and so I think for, for, for many classroom teachers, there's, there's the concern, there's getting over the, the, the barriers or figuring out strategies for, for looking at the upsides and recognizing the real positive opportunities um, that exist in, um, in digital and social media for civic life. So I'm just going to um, kind of jump in with some additional thoughts um, based on what Carrie already said. One of the things that we observed in our work um, also has to do with a, a um, this, uh, which is something that we noticed that's both a challenge and an opportunity is that for a lot of the youth we speak to, they think about new media in a continuum um, and as a part of their lives. So it, it moves between their civil, civil lives, their civic lives, their personal lives. Um, and then they think of civic education as a separate category um, completely. So in that sense, they then are finding that they, they have to dis they disconnect when they think about being civically active versus having their online lives. And there's a real opportunity for educators to bring civic perspectives into subjects that they may not otherwise think of as having a civic angle. So we were really surprised, for example, but, no but now understand why music teachers were really excited with the material that we created through the EPP network, because they wanted to work with their students to create lyrics and songs around issues that they cared about and then record them and share them out through various um, platforms available to them. And in this way, I feel like there's a real opportunity to bring civics in back into education in a really meaningful way, um, not as a separate gated or separated out subject, but one that pertains to all areas of learning. That's great. Yeah. And I can, um, as writing teachers and teachers of writing too, I feel like that same um, youth having the opportunity to make and create is a, is a really powerful opportunity for involving this kind of work and making those, helping to make those bridges too. Um, I was also thinking about how we as a network of educators, you know, I, like as Carrie said, our own beliefs come into play and our own sort of background and experiences and how it's so important that we support each other as educators too in trying some of this stuff and talking through those kind of tensions because that's a, a big part of what we need to keep doing together to, to make sense and be able to um, work uh, well um, in our classrooms around these issues. Um, so. Let's um, so let's go back to the toolkit and really sort of dive into what you guys have put together. I, I feel like these are really salient issues for writing project teachers in so many ways, um, and lots of folks are right now in the sort of thick of different sort of conversations and work with kids. Um, the midterms are coming up, and um, people are thinking um, more politically. I know lots of people working on um, longer term projects right now around issues that kids care about and thinking about the semester ahead and how that work unfolds. So um, why don't we um, 
dive into the toolkit a little bit. I know you're going to walk us through each of the, ma the, the modules, which would be great. But how about a little bit of background, just how you developed this thing and um, what um, and how you imagine it supporting both these opportunities as well as these tensions and challenges that you talked about? Great. So I'm happy to share a little bit about the um, the development of the toolkit. So we um, and just to to say that the toolkit is really we see it as a collection of various um, resources and act learning activities. So there are many activities there that Carrie Sangita and I developed together. And there are also many activities where we link out and draw on um, resources that were developed by other partners. So for example, the Black Youth Project or Youth Radio. Um, and so people will see that combination of things um, within the toolkit itself. Um, it's not meant to be a curriculum or it's not meant to be a very scripted resource. And so um, I think educators will see that as well as they look in it. Um, and just to give a little bit more background, we did, um, as Sangeeta mentioned, we really, through the work of the YPP network, we really wanted to pull together many of the educational resources, the activities that we had been developing alongside of educators, and also, um, you know, pull that into basically one resource that was much more accessible for educators. And we worked with a kind of subcommittee of YPP network members in the early phases of developing this. So there were various folks from the different teams in the network that helped us kind of think about the conceptual structure of it um, and what are the ways in which we can pull this collection together. Um, and we gathered feedback from them along the way. And then we also did a focus group with educators um, when we had a sort of draft of the toolkit. And that was an incredibly helpful uh, process for us to be able to have a group of educators sit down and go through it and kind of pull apart pieces and tell us what they felt like they could use, what they wouldn't use or different uh, suggestions that they had. Um, and then the other thing that I would mention just as context is that, um, you know, we designed the toolkit to be um, for middle school and high school age young people, but there are many of the activities that can be adapted depending on the age of the young people that you work with. Um, and that it is, you know, designed in many ways, it, it is set up for a classroom space, but it isn't, that is not a limiting factor. So we really do see that a lot of the activities draw from, for example, um, partners that work in out-of-school spaces. Many of us have worked in out-of-school spaces using these activities. And so it's really meant for a range of um, contexts. And then the other thing I would say is that um, we, we designed these five modules. And so the different modules are meant to build on one another, but they aren't necessarily sequential. So we do have one kind of introductory module that then can flow into any of the other modules, but, um, you can do it in a different order. You can do one piece. Um, you can do two modules. It really is meant to, um, be, a, you know, it's meant to be flexible for educators to really pick and choose and tweak as needed for their curriculum and for their setting. So it's not, it's not meant for one subject area. That's the other thing is we really did, as Sangeeta was mentioning, we really do see that there's a lot of power to weaving this in across various curriculum um, content areas and grade levels. So I'm happy to start kind of sharing the participate module, which is this kind of introductory module that we created. Um, 
And then Erica, I just want to um, yeah. cut in real fast and remind yeah, people that they could follow along if they're listening and happen to be in front of a computer that um, the website is digitalcivicstoolkit.org and the modules you can sort of follow along as Erica introduces. Yeah, that's a great. And I'm happy to, I'll kind of just say briefly that if you're looking on the homepage, there's a little bit of this context that we've just talked through. Um, but then if you're in the top part of the website, you can um, look at modules. You can click on modules and it'll sort of talk through the, the five different modules. Or you can look, you can scroll down and click on um, any of the five and dig into those. So if you first click on the participate module, um, you'll see that in this module, um, and this is true of all the modules, that we have a kind of conversation starter. And this is meant to be each of the modules have one of these sort of introductory activities that helps young people begin to um, grapple with the kinds of questions that the module is set up around. So each module has a set of kind of essential broad questions. The conversation starter kind of gets people's feet wet with this, um, these concepts and these ideas. And then there are various activities under each of the kind of broad essential questions. And then you'll see that each module has a closing reflection. Um, and then it also has a section for teacher background information. So that has a number of readings. It has links to other sites where there are other resources. Um, and again, the, the modules within themselves, you don't need to do all of the activities um, and you don't need to do the closing reflection. It's just meant to set up that structure if, in fact, you, if it's helpful for you to have a kind of introduction, a set of activities, and then a closing. But we do really encourage people to use it as it works for them. So as you look at the participate module, you'll see that this module is really set up to... Um, give young people an opportunity to start to explore various issues that they hear about, that people are talking about in their community. Um, we know that you know, there are a lot of opportunities now in the digital age for young people to sort of be exposed to various issues, but that doesn't mean they've necessarily had time and space to really dig into them and to really think about what do I care about or what am I interested in or what do I want to explore further? And so this module is really meant to be that kind of introduction to really help young people think about what issues are coming up in their face-to-face -face community, but also what may be coming up in their online community that they can sort of identify as relevant to them um, and, and maybe even urgent that people are really trying, that feels very timely um, and that they would like to learn more about. So this one really, this module really helps young people start to kind of examine those various communities that they have in face-to-face -face and online spaces, and then what issues are coming up that they're interested in and that piques their curiosity. Um, and then the, from that kind of exploration, um, educators could then move into the other various modules that you'll see. Um, so you could move into investigate or dialogue, voice, or action. And I'll let Carrie and Sangeeta talk about the other ones. I'll just talk really quickly about the investigate one also. Um, so for the investigate module, this module really um, is focused on really helping young people think about um, judging the accuracy and the credibility of information. So we know that there is an, just a sea of information out there and a sea of news that young people are exposed to 
Um, and that, you know, this brings, as Carrie was talking about, many incredible opportunities for young people to learn about issues in ways that weren't possible before. But it also brings about a number of challenges in terms of misinformation, fake news, um, it also brings just a kind of like, you know, overload of information and people can sort of turn off to that. So we, um, in this module, really, we have found, you know, from our research that young people say in our surveys that they really do want help um, learning. They, they think that they and their peers would really benefit from um, support and learning how to tell if a source or if online news is trustworthy. So the activities that we have here really help young people explore like why is credibility important? What does that mean? How do you judge in particular the credibility of civic information online? And um, when we are thinking about online information that has to do with politics, then it's really important for young people to also reflect on their own political biases and how is that um, impacting the ways in which they are interpreting accuracy and credibility? So this module gets into that and has some activities around um, credibility and accuracy um, and also bias. And it also has some activities where young people could then um, choose an issue and then start to research and investigate that issue. And so there are some um, ideas and resources and links out to doing a research project around a civic and political issue. So then the next module that we thought we'd share a little bit more about is dialogue. So I'm going to turn it over to Carrie to talk about that one. Sure. Um, and one thing I'll add to the sort of high level about the, um, the whole toolkit is for each module, we really wanted to call out um, the real tensions that exist in these practices, the, the opportunities and the challenges. So it's, it's an ongoing theme in our conversation so far, but I just want to call that out explicitly. Um, and I feel it in particular in relation to this um, participatory practice of dialogue, um, because the reality is there are a ton of opportunities. Social media provide uh, really compelling and to some people irresistible opportunities to to share their beliefs and their perspectives, their stances on uh, public issues. Um, social media also provide an opportunity to learn about the stances of other people, their, their perspectives, um, and to engage in a meaningful dialogue across different perspectives. And the fact that digital spaces can bring people together from far-flung places and from diverse backgrounds is a really, really powerful opportunity. Um, but when people think about online dialogue, especially dialogue that's political, um, they often think first about the challenges. And I, I alluded to some of these earlier. Um, so, you know, one of them is echo chambers, you know, intentionally or not, we often end up in social networks with people who um, are pretty similar to us. And so the perspectives, the opportunity to be exposed to an array of perspectives often goes unmet or is unfulfilled in our social networks. Um, but then there's this big challenge in relation to the dynamics of online conversations themselves. They can sometimes take a really negative turn and become heated and even hostile. So um, 
So, you know, an, another feature of that is that listening on in social media conversations, listening to different perspectives can be invisible or it can be scarce, it can rarely happen, um, or it can only be carried out with an agenda of trying to prove your own point. Um, and so some of these challenging features of online discussions about political issues can really uh, deter young people from participating. And one of our studies as part of the YPP network showed that even the most motivated civic youth, the youth who were really engaged around a particular issue and saw the great positive opportunities of digital and social media for advocating for that issue, even those youth often withdrew or backed away from conversations when disagreements surfaced. So it really calls out um, that young people need and are looking for support and opportunities. So we designed the dialogue um, module to really support young people to do a variety of things. But I think one important feature of it is to really consider an array of specific dialogue strategies or moves that they could use in the context of a political discussion, especially where there's a disagreement, just to, to respond to that in a productive but also respectful and meaningful way or to keep the conversation going when it uh, falls off. So one of our essential questions in the module is how can we make good online dialogue about civic and controversial issues? And we suggest an array of strategies uh, bridging moves like, you know, appreciating another person's perspective, acknowledging um, a particular point made by another person, even if you go on to um, push back on it in a way, uh, reflect back is another move, say what you think you're hearing or understanding from something that someone's saying so that you can confirm that you're on the same page or um, elaborate if you're not, and then a series of voicing or persuading moves. So, so we suggest these as supports for young people with the key goal of, of really empowering them to have some strategies um, in their back pockets as they navigate political conversations and to bring, I think, a real sense of thoughtfulness and intentionality um, when engaging in online dialogue. So that's the purpose of the, um, the dialogue module. And I'm now going to turn it over to Sangeeta, who's going to talk a bit about the voice module. And you'll notice some overlap in some of the themes and questions, but it is a distinct set of activities. Yeah, thanks for that, Carrie. Um... In a way, I feel like as, as you were speaking, actually, that the dialogue and voice modules are getting at very similar issues and questions in different ways, obviously. Um, so the voice module is very focused on the, the expressive impulse um, around digital civics. Um, it really engages questions around when, how, and why um, young people may choose to share their views, create media, remix media, um, post media, or otherwise share media around issues that matter to them. Um, as we all know, there's been an explosion of opportunities to do that um, with social media, with user-generated video platforms. Um, but at the same time, um, what we are seeing and what we've seen with, in our work with young people is that just sharing your work out there or getting your voice out there isn't enough. It isn't, it isn't an end. Um, 
it's it's definitely something that is important in terms of pe- young people articulating, say, their own story and finding what their voice is. And that is very much part of the module. But there are other things to consider um, as, as young people move into the space. And so this module really takes that on. Um, it begins with the question of finding one's voice. So it begins with really helping young people dig deep into who they are, identify core issues that they care about, um, and identify media forms that might work for them as they express what they care about. But then it starts to ask them to really think about when is it appropriate and or necessary or desirable to share that view publicly? What does it mean when they do that? are there some decisions they should make to keep things to themselves or to their inner circles? And this is in no way to, to discourage them from, um, from sharing their information. That is not our mindset in any way. We just want them to be thoughtful about what they're sharing um, and think about settings, say, even on their Facebook accounts or on their Instagram accounts. Um, and then as they do that, how do they think about their message spreading? Um, again and again, when we've talked to young people and even older people, the question of control comes up, right? How do you control your message? And the answer in the end is you actually cannot fully control your message in online spaces. And so what we are trying to do in this module is help young people think through the various ways in which their message may spread. Um, and some of this may be the way they want it to spread. So curating for that, um, understanding how they may design their their message and share it through platforms that are appropriate for that, but also anticipating some of the ways in which it may spread in unexpected ways. Um, you can never fully plan for that, but at the same time, there are things that can be anticipated in terms of knowing how to respond to some criticism or having a sense that someone might see it and have questions come up and you might be able to direct them to resources around particular issues. So there are questions like that that we're asking young people to think about. Um, And then finally, we're asking them to also think about um, their digital afterlife. So um, as we all know, and as um, Carrie already alluded to, you know, there's no, there's no way to purge things fully from the internet. Um, there, we can try to delete things and we can do it in various ways, but there are certainly instances where content we have posted may come back in, in anticipated ways. And so what we're asking people to do again is understand what their digital footprint is. And there's some activities included in the, in the, in this module that specifically asking people to look at their digital footprint and understand what they're doing. Um, and and what they're doing, what they've done in the past. And then also to sort of start to map what their digital afterlife of content they have posted might be, both in an advantageous and disadvantageous way. Again, all of this this work has both opportunities and challenges attached to it. Um, And in many ways, and in many instances, the opportunities may outweigh the challenges, but we want people to be very aware of what both of those sides are as they're embarking on these journeys. So I'm going to um, come back in here and talk a bit about the last module um, with, with some help from, 
from Sangeeta again. Um, so the last module is action. And the key theme in that module is really to explore what does civic action look like in our interconnected age? And what is effective action? Um, how do digital tools contribute in positive ways? And But also exploring the enduring role of traditional offline tactics and strategies in order to make change in the world. So there are a series of questions. Um, one of the questions that guide this module that I'm gonna talk about is the first one which is what can we learn um, from social change efforts from the past? So that's the, the, the uh, initial uh, essential question. Um, and what we do in this part of the module is that we, we created an activity um, uh, working with folks that facing history and ourselves um, that involved looking back to the past and considering strategies for effective civic action from the civil rights movement, specifically uh, the student-led movement in Nashville in 1960 to desegregate the lunch counters and other businesses in the city of Nashville. Um, and this involves looking at doing some close looking at um, a portion of the award-winning Eyes on the Prize documentary series that involves interviews with and um, documentation of, of the civil rights movement. It's a, it's a beautiful uh, set of films. Um, and really asking students to consider the what and the how of the strategies of civic action that um, students undertook during that time to, to work towards desegregation in Nashville, civil disobedience, the nonviolence training, um, appealing to keep political leaders like the mayor um, in, a, in a sort of hearts and minds way as well as in a pragmatic way. Um, and then really asking students to think about the relevance to today that, you know, we have all these media that quickly provide an opportunity to reach a broad audience and potentially mobilize them. But, um, but some of these in-person strategies, many of them still are still really central to how social change takes place. So, so the goal in that particular activity is really um, support supporting youth to identify and be thoughtful about the how and the why and also the so what of using um, digital media to advocate for social change and to think about the other necessary levers like rallies and protests and even you know traditional voice phone calls to senators offices and the, the roles that those practices still have to play. So that's the first um, essential question that we explore in the action module. Sangeeta, do you want to say a bit more about some of the other activities? Uh, yeah, so in broader brushstrokes, um, the other activities bring us to the present moment um, after taking this sort of historical perspective to ask and to kind of ask us to think about what new media really brings to the table in terms of our civic engagement. So what we're asking young people to think through is what are the opportunities and challenges of introducing digital media to their civic action. And I guess as a sort of overarching organizing principle for that, we're asking people to not be, um, to not be technologically deterministic. We want to stress um, that media is a tool that we use um, and that there are various media forms and that the older media forms that are present in our around us all the time banners um, maybe not even digitized forms of media um, are 
and, and more direct civic action as well are just as valid today. There's sort of, there's a spectrum of activities that we have available to us, a spectrum of, of tools that we can, we can tap. And we're asking young people to, in, in these activities, we're asking young people to think through those specifics. So the first, um, actually the second activity after, after Carrie's, um, the one that Carrie talked about is, is um, asking people to really think about what digital media brings to, um, to this context. And this, I believe this is a, a, an activity we borrowed from the Black Youth Project and, and have some, has some activities from the Black Youth Project as well. And then the third question um, takes, the, takes on the issues of slacktivism head on. Um, so asking the sort of question, what, what is the slacktivism critique, which has been art, which has been leveraged against young people? You know, they just engage in 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 ways that do not matter uh, in on Facebook, or they just they click like and they think that they've taken civic action. Is kind of how that critique has been articulated, and we ask people to think about that more deeply. Not only in the sense of the fact that some of this action can be deeply meaningful and can actually lead to real um, raise to raising awareness around issues, but that it can also be deeply risky, um, that it actually is not at risk-free as some crit critics have said. And we ask young people to think through that. We have specific examples around the ways in which an online engagement has led to real risk for participants. And then in question four, um, we start to we really shift into action mode, literally, as we ask young people to think about how they might design a campaign or how they may take action around an issue that they care about. And there are a series of activities and a project that actually asks them to plan out how, what that action might look like. Um, and that involves them assessing both the kinds of needs that their project would have. So who would they want to reach? How, why would they want to reach them? What would they like them to do? What would be a success scenario for that particular action? And then it also asks them to think about where the people that they're trying to reach are at. So for example, if the people that they're trying to reach do not have computers, then probably designing a very, spending a lot of time developing a very complicated website might not be the way to go. So it's, it's very, it's shift, they're shifting into a very practical kind of hands-on developing a proposal or an idea that could be deployed in a community mode. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of summarizing the key points. Did I miss anything, Carrie? Because I know we were kind of looking at that one together. That's great. Thanks, Angita. Very comprehensive. Wow. So I knew it was going to be great to hear you guys talk through this toolkit. <laughs> um, but just to say, listening to you all, I'm really, my mind is just like about the ways that I could potentially use it, ways that I imagine our colleagues could use it. So this is super exciting. One of the things um, I'm wanted to just tell our listening audience that we're planning to have a follow-up conversation with some educators, some other educators who have been working with this team um, through the EPP or the YPP project and maybe Black Youth Project too, to really like hear more about the stories underneath sort of some of um, the work that 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 has been um, brought together here in this this toolkit, because I think that underneath all of this work, there's all these stories that I can imagine, you know, are really rich and really have informed this toolkit. So it's thrilling to hear you talk about it because you really hear how deep this is, and um, really excited that 
that we'll do a follow-up. Um, and that should be available on NWP Radio in early November. So keep it, you're out for that one. Um, so thank you. I wanted to, um, you know, as I said, I was like, my brain is sort of like thinking about all the possibilities. And I know my colleagues will be doing the same when they hear this show and can and really look at this toolkit and think, oh, wow, that's really, you know, there's powerful stuff here. And I could use it in this way or that way, as you suggest that, you know, pull from this, pull from that. Um, I would love to hear what you would like to hear back from educators using it. Um, and uh, um, you know what? What do you what do you expect to see and hear, and what would you like to hear back in terms of uh, response from the community? So I can uh, start with a few things. I mean, I think as um, as educators ourselves and as education researchers, uh, of course, we're always looking for feedback um, when you know we design anything around what worked, what didn't work, but also like what it looked like and felt like to use these activities in the classroom. What what were the things that um, students got particularly excited about? Where were any uh, points of confusion or um, or particular excitement and enthusiasm, um, but also like what kinds of side conversations or, um, or, you know, related topics were stimulated by engaging in these kinds of activities. So, um, you know, speaking from the design side, um, you know, it's, it's really exciting to, to put this toolkit into place, but, um, you know, we, we miss out on seeing what happens when it's put into action in the classroom. So hearing from educators would be great. Um, we also have specific questions for educators about the particular uses in which subject matter classes, Sangeeta alluded to this earlier, um, in what, um, and so in what context, if it's in school or in after school activities and, and for, um, for what kinds of learners, particular students of different ages or um, students with particular learner profiles and how, how educators adapted activities to fit with their curricula, their learning objectives, their course content. Um, and how did the approaches, the sort of pedagogical moves that are baked into the activities align with or extend in the, the traditional uh, or the kinds of practices that educators are already using in their classes. So um, we are excited to hear any and all um, any and all feedback, but particularly around those questions. And I'd love to add one more thing that we, you know, are really hoping to be able to do with the toolkit, which is, you know, we're really hoping to continue to add to it and expand it. So you know, we know that our sort of, you know, civic and political context and also our democracy is changing constantly. Um, and so, and especially in this sort of networked age, the kinds of information that comes out and it's, it is, as I'm sure many people feel, it is hard to keep up. So <laughs> we, we do want for the toolkit to continue to feel relevant and timely to what, you know, there is no way to have it respond to each current event or issue that comes up, of course. But there may be ways in which um, we can expand and help it grow over time. And so if educators have an idea of, you know, this would be a fabulous way, you know, to sort of expand this piece, um, we would love that. And then the other thing I would say is that we know there are other resources out there that um, may align or connect to the Digital um, Civics Toolkit. And while we have already connected and linked 
to various partners, resources, if there are things that educators know about or that you have developed yourself that we can link out to as another um, complimentary resource, we would be um, thrilled to do that. Great. Yeah. I will just um, sort of, <laughs> I don't know, this is not really an ask, but it's kind of just sharing that for me, at least um, working on this digital civics toolkit has been a real highlight um, of my year, <laughs> dare I say, in the sense that it's just been really fun to continue to be able to have a live conversation around issues pertaining to civics and digital spaces. Um, and if I was to express kind of a longer term hope for for educators, um, for me, it would be that they somehow establish contact with us so that, you know, if, if they're super jazzed about this, if this really resonates with them, they should reach out to us because there's nothing to say that we won't revamp the digital civics toolkit in some ways to include their voice in it. Um, in fact, we would love to do that if there was a desire for that. So that's something that I would kind of put out there is like, you know, if you're really excited to be in touch with us, be in touch with us because we really do want to continue to, to think about this and to expand on it as time goes on. Wonderful. Great. Thank you so much. And um, I wanted to just uh, let our listeners know that we'll put links to um, the network materials. Um, there's also a related um, a deep dive collection that was published, a teaching channel that we can make a link to. Some, there's a lot of resources from the YPP and EPP networks that um, you can link to online. And this toolkit in many ways brings those pieces together in a really powerful way. So of course, we'll share that around and continue to share that in our networks. Um, I believe there's contact information on the toolkit itself about getting in touch with the three of you. So um, people really should be encouraged to do that. And then we're gonna come back um, uh, to, with an expanded group of educators to talk about um, more of this work of supporting youth and thinking about um, uh, uh, civics today and participatory politics today. Um, at the end of the month, and that um, will be available in early November. So I want to thank you all for joining us today and for sharing with us this really powerful work and resource that you've put together. We really appreciate all the um, many layers of work that I think everybody can hear have gone into this uh, toolkit. And um, this has been a production of the National Writing Project for NWP Radio and our Educator Innovator Network. Have a wonderful day. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thank you.